0: To episode 81 of Penny Red, my name is Daniel Hodges, and today I've got two fine fellows and friends of the show, Epidio Shoal and Vincent Baker. How's it going, chaps? Doing good. It's going okay. Excellent. Today we've got a well. First of all, let's have a bit of catch up before we get to the uh, the meat. Let's have some potatoes and peas and carrots first, um, if we can use a uh, Thanksgiving-ish sort of uh, metaphor for this episode. So, Epidio, what's going on with you?
1: Uh, well, I, I think largely what's going on with me is what's going to be the subject of the, the episode. I've been, my whole life.
0: Go ahead. <laughs> what's that? I was trying to bury the lead, but go oh, ahead. Oh yeah.
1: No, that's fine. Um, I'm, uh, what other, Oh, I could dread, uh, is the dread PDF is now available for only $3 and that's what? an exciting new, uh, development.
0: And so, where can they get? When can people get that from?
1: Uh, you can just get it right from Drive-Thru RPG. Right. Uh, or if you Google Dread, you'll find a series of links that will lead you on a merry adventure until you get there.
0: Can you buy it from your own site, dig1000holes.com?
1: <laughs> no, no. Dread I did with uh, The Impossible Dream. so That's ah, right. It's yes. That's through right. That, that company there. Sure. Although, if you do go to my site and you look around for it, You'll find links to where you need to go
0: so. right right and uh something that i try to do um is and uh because drive through rpg is great but if you know um of somebody who's who's produced something and you want to um support them in the fullest way possible if i can be euphemistic about oh, right <laughs> um, then you and you can go to and you can put and you can take that extra couple of clicks to go to their personal website if they have their own sort of basket if they set it up through paypal or whatever it is they did then you can um make sure that the person that wrote it gets all of the monies <laughs> um so it's no it's no secret but drive through rpg takes 35 percent or um i think uh if you uh if you want to be able to promote your work elsewhere and
2: yeah
0: and 30 percent if you want to be exclusively through them is that right i don't know like, what the if it's
2: exclusive, it's much lower—10%, 15%, something like that.
0: Is that right? Oh, okay. Uh, years ago,
2: this was the case. I don't remember,
0: but okay. Uh, yeah, I'll have to um, I have to investigate that because my my uh, I, I thought it was was higher, so maybe I should be exclusive with them. But anyway, so <laughs> that's what so they take, want. Take the time. Yeah, take take the time to do a couple of extra clicks. Um, if you've got that in your schedule, maybe you haven't. I don't okay. know. Here at Penny Red, truth and journalistic integrity are our watchwords. So went back and took a look through the particulars of Drive-Thru RPG's contracts, and it appears if you sell exclusively with them, they take a 30% commission, and if you want to be able to sell your stuff elsewhere, they take a 35% commission. With, so, with well,
1: Dread specifically, though, because uh, of the way DriveThruRPG, uh, they have a setup where the money, when something's purchased, is split automatically. So yes. uh, for me, because it's with the company, I actually get money if you go through RPG to buy the PDF. Actually, that might be the only way to get the PDF now that I think about it, is So that may be exclusive to them. If you want a physical copy, it costs more than $3, and you can get that at tilting at windmills.net.
0: Right. Any any top tips for where to get a set of Jenga blocks?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't – I most stores have them. Like, I mean, stores that have toys or whatever. Uh, I'm – upset with the orange cylindrical carrying device. It's the least scary of all of them. <laughs> right, right. Uh, for a while there, they'd had uh, a black Onyx edition uh, at uh, Barnes & Noble, but yes. I don't I don't think that they, they have that anymore.
0: That would, add, that would add a certain something, I think. And how do you feel about <laughs> the plastic Uno uh, stack-o? uh can, you, can you do it with Uno stacko Or is that uh, too much of a juxtaposition?
1: I think, I mean, I, I, we've, I've done it with, especially in the early days, I did it with any manner of tumbling block. Uh, there There's some sets that we were afraid we were going to get splinters off of. There's oh, you know so generic. but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tuned to Jenga, but that's only because that's what we had when we were designing it. I'm sure, sure it works with almost anything else. No. Sure. <laughs> Vincent's laughing. Got the bat.
0: Well, it's tuned. It's tuned. Do you, do you have a Jenga block story that you'd like to share with the class, there, Vincent? A Jenga
2: <laughs> block story? I'd like to share with the class.
0: You were you were smiling knowingly. I thought perhaps because of some particular. <laughs> oh, oh no, no. Um,
2: that was a that was a game design joke about tuning the game to Jenga, <laughs> which what? is surprisingly important to do. <laughs> <laughs> Things so look out! Don't don't play off brand. It won't be. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get weird resonances. No, you think I'm joking? <laughs> um, can I can I tell a quick story about murderous ghosts? You may oh, tell yeah. whatever story you like, Vincent. Uh, uh, the first the first playtest version of murderous ghosts. Murderous ghosts is made of two loops, and one is the loop that's built into those pair of books. <laughs> Ah, I'm not going to tell you about Murderous Ghosts. Look it up on Google if you want to. Um, <laughs> and the other is the loop that's caused by how you handle the deck of cards. Right. And in the first playtest of that game, the loops would come into uh, alignment. What is it? They they would become coherent. In um, phase. Yeah, yeah, in phase. And the, the explorer would always win. And so after that first just like week of playtesting, I knew that i needed to to break that cycle so break that uh phase so um i now now one is a a step off from the other and there are ways that the gm can throw baffles into the the loops to bring them out of phase again so um tuning to jenga like that's that's not as funny as it sounds
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great title for the episode, being <laughs> and not as funny as it sounds. Yes, it does sound hilarious. Um, so what have you been up to uh, with regards to swords without master? There, if oh. uh, I don't know if that's a sore point, but I'm going to go ahead and poke it anyway. No, actually. I'm going to laugh again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's also related to the main point, so we can we can go back to that if we want, uh, okay. or we can we can hold off, and I can talk about that a little bit. Okay.
0: Well, then, what about um. What about Vast and Starlet then? What's the uh, what's the long game on there? Because it's been five months, six months since yeah, that
1: yeah. That's a it's an ancient game. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about doing a retro clone of Vast and Starlet next. I think uh, nice. No, <laughs> um, I, that's an interesting question. Um, it's uh the the sales of the physical product um have started to trickle. A bit which is fine uh it's done exactly what it needed to do i think it paid for like four or five cons for me it's done oh, exceedingly well actually i didn't yeah. expect it to to do as well as it did um so now i'm looking at it and trying to decide uh is there a next step or uh is this the thing that it is
0: uh, right
1: and i don't know quite yet uh there's things I'd like to do with what I learned from it. And I don't know if I'm going to reinvest those back into the, the product itself or create something new. So that that's a little have
0: nebulous. Dangerously, that game must've must come dangerously close to actually paying you almost a decent hourly wage when you compare the amount of effort you put into it compared with the income that came back.
1: It was, I mean, I should really do the math on that because it, I mean the per word, pay
2: was insane. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Uh Epi Epi comes to coffee that morning and he (laughs) says, I'm getting paid whatever it was, four cents a word for each each time it's printed. Like each this the and then there's this card, this the and there's this card, this (laughs) the four cents, four cents, four cents.
0: Coffee's all around. Uh, so what about you, Vincent? What's been going on with the vast and sundered land and various other things you've got uh, boiling away, simmering away? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. How were the black raspberries this year then? <laughs> oh, my God. I um,
2: uh, They were delicious. I I put up some black raspberry rye that is about ready. Um, oh. uh, <laughs> so about the, ready. The, the raspberries are good. Oh, good. The, Excellent.
0: But is it still against the blood. law to make your own spirits in America? Oh, I mean, no, no, I'm no, trying to no. get just, you in trouble. But...
2: I, I, I bought some rye, and I put the black raspberries in it.
0: Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking with Vincent Baker. <laughs> so, but together, you guys have been, although I think probably it would be fair to say that uh, under the uh, watchful eye of Epi, more so than you, Vincent, we put together oh. a, uh, a magazine, an e-zine, I believe you called it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, called uh, Worlds Without Master. Go ahead, tell us about that, where people can get it, and uh, we'll ask some specific type questions as well.
1: Oh, I thought Vince was going to say something. It's, uh, so, Worlds Without Master is a little bit of a pipe dream of mine. Uh, It's, uh... So I wanted to do a Sword and Sorcery magazine, uh, and I wanted to do it for a long time. I have no idea how long. I probably wanted to do it when I was... uh, but a lad, uh, right. <laughs> uh, but it's one of those things, a magazine, um, especially when I got into the publishing stuff, I, I knew right off the bat that that is a dangerous, risky, expensive venture that, uh, yeah. leads you down dark, dark paths and would eventually make me hate everything involved in it, which is not why I do any of this stuff. So, right. uh, so I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And then, um, the world, the way it works kept developing technology to make it possible. And, um, you know, with the early-on PDFs or whatever, I wasn't thinking about it back then, but uh, then iPads and uh, other readers that people can hold and then uh, crowdsourcing. And then uh, finally what happened was um, Joe McDonough, uh brought to my attention the Patreon website. I, oh, I got it. I think I'm pronouncing that right? It's like yeah. patron with an e randomly yes, thrown not in there.
0: Not to be confused <laughs> with uh, the e after the o, right. which it's... only only self-respecting rappers drink and hold in. Uh, in oh, musical, yes, most <laughs> musical videos that they have.
1: So uh, Patreon was created by musicians, uh, or at least one musician. Um, so it, it's it's setup is designed pretty specifically for. I've got songs that I want to put out and I'd like to make money off those songs. So, uh, are you willing to pay me per song? Right. And people will go in and they'll sign up and they'll give their credit card information. They say, every time you do a song, I will pay you a dollar. And then they can set like a cap on that. They can say, well, every time you do a song, I'll pay you a dollar, but I'm only going to do that five times a month because if you release 400 songs this month, I'm out. <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and uh, so that's the setup. Nobody gets charged until the song is released, and in fact, it's not even until the end of the month in which the song was released. Wow. So people can make decisions after that too. But uh, it really appealed to me in a couple ways. Number one, it's a reoccurring payment, so uh, every time, like it, it, it obviously was applicable to doing an easy to doing a periodical because it's yes. every time you do something, you get paid. Yeah. But also the money doesn't, nobody gets charged until it's out. And right. that was super important for me and my own psychological health. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Yes. It, yeah. I understand.
1: <laughs> yeah. If, if a bunch of people gave me money and then said, now make the thing. Yes. I might freeze up, but if I'm like, okay, I can make the thing and then when it's made, I get this money. Right. Uh, that was great, and knowing the money I have available meant that I knew how much I could pay. Because the other factor going into this was that I was looking around for places to offer up my own fiction, and I kept running into uh, ezines, periodicals, and and whatnot that paid me in exposure.
0: Oh, good. Which... <laughs> yes, yeah, best payment. I'm going to have a delicious and, bowl of exposure for dinner this evening, and I shall buy new skates yes. for my children with some exposure. Yes. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. And and so uh, I, one in particular said that they paid in free electronic copies. And I, it's like oh, I can just email <laughs> myself if I had to. <laughs> like uh, and, you know, the, they're that's doing delightful. the venture that they're doing. Uh but I saw this Patreon as a, uh, opportunity to pay people, uh, a decent amount for, for what they, they provide.
0: Right. And
1: I wanted to do sword and sorcery specifically cause, uh, uh, I had been a fan when I was younger and I, when I started the whole swords without master journey, uh, it, it reignited, uh, a passion in me. And also like, I think it's a genre that is, uh, Like I think people want sword and sorcery. I think it's definitely uh, there's definitely a craving out there. But I also think that um, it's being overshadowed by some of its more recent uh, cousins, uh, you know, fantasy genre-wise.
0: Yes, sure. Okay. Well, you you mentioned um, Patreon there, so let's. uh, So what what can you tell me about how does that work uh, in terms of what you as the provider? can can see in terms of, of uh, you know, how many people have subscribed, all that type of stuff, right. Is any of that sort of obfuscated. And then what the split is like, for example, somebody says, I'll pay you $4 an issue. Does Patreon take 50% of that? Or do they take 5% of that? Or all of those sort of type of stuff in case somebody out there is thinking, you know what, an e-zine about cats is long <laughs> overdue. I'd like to right. get into that. Some of the sweet uh, ex- I've had enough of this sweet exposure money. I'm interested in some actual money now.
1: So, uh, this, I, this, uh, I can answer your questions. I have spreadsheets now. Oh, <laughs> um, perfect. So, I've done one issue already, uh, and it's out there, and people can buy it uh, for $3.99. And if they want to sign up for the Patreon, if they want to join the patron horde, right, uh, right. It, it, they can join it for as low as a dollar uh, where you just get fiction but if you do anywhere from 2.99 up, you get the fiction, the art, the games, and all that stuff. Right, right. Um, and in the first issue, I had two pieces of fiction, a comic, a game, and a, what I'm calling a miscellany. And Vincent wrote one of the pieces, of, which is why he's there today.
2: Why I'm here at all.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so what I see in the process, uh, it was actually kind of a learning process. Uh, Patreon is new. They're figuring it out as much as I'm figuring it out. Right. Um, so things may change by the time people hear sure. what I'm saying here. But uh, I can see how many they're people. Having, they're
2: having they're having hosting problems this morning.
1: Oh, are they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's
2: that's uh, well. This, <laughs> this will be out much later. So. Um, oh right, they're having hosting <laughs> problems two weeks ago. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sometime in the distant, mist-shrouded past. The... Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
1: between the sinking of Atlantis and the... Right. No, yeah. Anyways. Uh, and twerking. Yes. <laughs> so what I see, there, there's this... Uh, it's actually incredibly um, open, which I like. Uh, if you go to my page, you can see how many patrons I have and how much money I make per issue. Um, and I have access to all of those patron emails and uh like i can see what their individual what everybody is pledging so that i could uh, you know they sign up for certain levels too because you get different rewards just like a kickstarter right right, right. um and uh so i can see what they levels they're at. I can message different groups. I can say here, you all signed up at the advertiser level. So I'm going to send a message to you if I need to. Right.
0: Um, and, and Patreon does that for you? Like it's creates sort of mailing groups for the various yeah. people. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: Good. So, so that's nice. And then, uh, so you get this number and Patreon, I think they take 5%. I think that's what it is. Um,
0: well, oh, only five percent. Well, let really, me.
1: Low. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's really reasonable and and.
0: Uh, so are they? Are they? Is that low like that? Do you think to in, encourage people initially, or do you think their overheads are super low? Like, is this a subsidiary of some larger, much more profitable entity, or? Uh,
1: I think. I mean, I think it's it's created by a creator, um, and uh, so. And by that I mean, like, you know, he he's a guy who's on it. He's on the front page. He does music, and right, okay. I think he really, yeah. I'm sorry, I was checking it. It is in fact five percent. Um, I think he really wants to to have the site be about making it feasible for right. other musicians and yes. uh, folks like that to to make things. So I like I really dig who's behind it all. But yeah. in addition to Patreon cut there's also the credit card cut it's credit card companies doing the uh 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 charging and whatnot so they have their own cut that cuts in it too and uh, i think i originally estimated the whole patreon plus credit card cut to be about eight percent right but in reality when i did that first issue it turned out to be about 13 percent uh in total both of them uh and then although well, let me see here
0: how did right it turn down. out to be uh 13% is did the the, is the like administration first time setup type fees and all that type of carry-on with patreon was that what that was or no was that-
1: i think it was largely uh credit card fees i think um they were a little bit larger than what i was expecting and uh and then there's also uh there's a problem with um some cards get declined so there's money that they say you know Please. somebody's yep. pledged it but it d- just doesn't come that kind People of thing. Yep. and uh also uh, and you get a list of that you can see what's uh actually it's kind of horrifying when you watch it happening because it's i when i was watching it i was watching it go through each patron one by one trying to find out which uh you know and some of them were like delayed and some of them oh, were, yeah, yeah, i was yeah, like
0: oh to... no oh no, no. <laughs> money? money no, no. money uh, money money Money.
1: It, <laughs> it turned out all right and what what i what i do now is i just i assume i give myself a 25 percent margin on uh whatever i'm doing and if i uh i don't think i need to use up that margin but uh that just keeps me feeling safe, right?
0: No, so. understandably. Understandably, you want to make sure you've got that. That, this, I mean, first, off, right off, up front, like as you said, the idea that you have um, – that nobody pays anything until they get something. That's the right. big thing because, I, I mean – yeah, I talked about it. I think a couple of episodes ago, but just the the, the kickstart, and then there's the shipping costs and all that type of carry on. If there's too much lead time between when you set your goals and how much you ask right. for, and when you actually post it, you can take a bath and so on. And that whole yeah, just that whole thing can be nerve wracking. So getting the money only when you produce, I think, is amazing. Uh, second thing, is there any way that um, that people can pay for um, World's That Master more efficiently, in your uh, in your opinion? Well. Um...
1: I, I really want to encourage people to go through the Patreon site because that gives me information that I need to know. <laughs> like I need to know how much money it's going to make because – so for instance, uh, I buy fiction. And I – at the at this moment in time, I spend $200 for a 2,500-word story or less, 500 right. words or less story, right? Um, which is a pretty good rate. Yep. And I want to maintain that rate, but I also would like to get – larger stories right. and i also like to get more stories and yes. i i don't know the the best way for me to track that is to have people sign on to patreon yes. and then i can see how much money i have and i can make my decision from issue to issue about what i'm going to have in the issue sure uh, and I was
0: thinking more along the lines of um not necessarily circumventing the Patreon system, because I think it sounds great, and I very much mm-hmm. like to support them, but I wonder whether when you go, I want to buy something, does it give mm-hmm. you options? Like, you can do this through PayPal, or you can do this directly with a credit card. I wonder, oh, right. if, so, whether, is there a different, is there more money maybe that comes out when you go through PayPal? Because I, I confess it was late last night, or late-ish, I suppose. Yeah. Um, last night when I did it, I didn't really pay particular attention to what other options I had. I just went PayPal and, and did it. But is there, a, is there a better way? Was that the worst way to do it? or? So,
1: so here's the thing that I'm doing as well, which is uh, along these. Lines, I'm gonna. I am going i do not know uh, money-wise what the best way to do. And there's certain, uh, like for instance, I have it on Drive RPG and Drive Fiction and RPG Now and all that. And if people buy it through there, uh, it may end up going up on their, you know, lists of things people should look at or whatever. I don't know exactly how those work. So I don't mind that, but I looked at what their cut would be, and uh, what I did was I've set up for every one of the contributors, uh, they can get their own PayPal link to the magazine. So I sell the back issue for three ninety nine, dollars 99 and uh, Vincent can have a link on his site, uh, Ed Heil, who's one of the artists, or Stormcook, who's another artist, uh, Bryant Johnson, or Rafu, who did the game. They all, uh, can have links up, uh, and Tazio. I shouldn't just randomly mention everyone and ignore <laughs> one of the.
0: Well, we'll Tazio is we'll another we'll
1: artist. Just the yeah. we can
0: address any of those mistakes you made along the way. <laughs>
1: um, but they, they can have a link uh, to the, purchase the magazine, and if I get uh, sales from those links, then I pay them a dollar out of every one of those purchases. So right. you can actually go and support. Like you're a real big fan of uh, Vincent's story, and you really hate mine. So you could be like, "Well, screw Eppy. I'm just going to pay Vincent as much as I can. Right. And I'll buy hundreds of issues through Vincent's link, right. and then I, I get to cackle because I'm getting
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm getting the publisher share of that money.
0: Ooh, yeah, my master plan has worked.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> Okay. Anything else you want to share us with, uh, regarding the nuts and bolts? So uh, that's sort of general information that might be good for any type of uh, uh, type of e- e- Is is um, basically an an electronic magazine for people that are wondering what these uh, special yeah. jargon terms are. Um, just a slight aside. My first um exposure to uh, individually produced uh, magazines was uh, football magazine. I don't know if that's where it originated, but um in England, um, football's big. No surprise. Um, <laughs> and it, uh, every city uh, has a has a football team. Um, and one of the things that is ubiquitous is were uh, fanzines, and fanzines were yeah. like cheaply produced, like uh, bifold um, bits of uh, you know uh, A4 paper, you know, really cheaply produced, but stuff about the football team. So that was that's my sort of introduction to zines. Although I think that probably they they're all over the place, you know, there's, there were music ones and, and so on and so forth. But, uh, uh, and your, just lastly, nuts and bolts wise, what, what is it, What, is an, e- what is an e-zine, what does it require to be an e as opposed to uh, an electronic magazine? Because e sort of implies, at least to me, sort of an independently produced, um, nobody's telling me what to do style of publication.
1: Well, I mean, one of the reasons why uh, I wanted to, I, I keep reminding myself to use the word e-zine rather than magazine because I don't want, I don't want people to assume that they're going to get a physical copy uh, because that's where all the risk and all that comes back in. If I have to pay for printing and then shipping, then, uh, uh, then uh, that's a whole another headache on top of all that. Plus I'm only, when I buy the rights from the creators, I'm only buying the rights for the electronic version of it right
0: right um
1: that said i like i don't know if uh, i mean i can say what what i'm doing here is um like i'm the sole proprietor i'm the over editor as as my title is and the uh so you you're 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 getting what i think is good fiction from the fiction that's that's coming to me and you're getting what i think is good art or good uh uh you're getting my understanding of the sword and sorcery genre uh right. you're buying into that and not um like uh i i'm at a loss for a word for this not i don't want to say not not a corporate version of sword and sorcery because that's not exactly right. what i'm saying
0: okay you but, don't subscribe to anybody's notion of what is uh sword and sorcery except your own you right, exactly. no one
1: so so you're like uh this is uh this is epi in charge <laughs> you know this is not um so there there may be i you know i'd be lucky if this gets big enough that there are a whole bunch of controversies about my choices and i would love to see that happen yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh i i think that um uh yeah, I mean, it, it's um, – and I'm – yeah, I'm, <laughs> I think that's
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not prepared to elaborate any further. Fair enough. Okay, uh, So edging slightly into the uh, into the um, the content, uh, I was interested to see at least – now I'm, I'm talking from a design standpoint for just a couple mm-hmm. of minutes and then we'll go into the actual content of what everybody's really here for. Um, <laughs> uh, as you've decided to go with a landscape – layout is that specifically for so people will turn their screens over or what's that all about <laughs> um
1: yeah uh <clears throat> so i didn't like i'm not sure how conscious this choice is after i made the choice and i started doing it um well number one it fits well on my computer screen so <laughs> sorry if you don't have my particular computer I'll post online all the details so you can go out and buy the computer I that have. Sure is. To best yes. enjoy uh, the magazine.
0: Yes, yes, for maximum enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but after
1: after I had made all of these um, design decisions, but before the, the magazine came out, I think, uh, I had gone to a talk with uh, Scott McCloud, I think his name is, the Understanding Comics guy. Yeah. yeah. It does and sound, it does sound
0: familiar, but yeah.
1: Yeah, oh, smart dude, smart dude. And so he, uh, there's parallels in what we're doing uh, compared to what was going on in comics uh, a couple decades ago uh, where the, graph- the we see the rise of the graphic novel, you see the rise of the independent publisher, and right. blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And <clears throat> one of the things he said in his uh, conversation, he complained about, kid- I'm going to use a, I got a book here for a- so he complained about Kindles and whatnot being like this. This isn't a Kindle, but this is like the shape of a Kindle,
0: Okay. Okay, right? he's holding up a book that's not the standard oh, yeah. <laughs> size a, in a paperback. It's the tall sort of thin paperback. Is that right, Epi? Because I can't quite well, see the bottom Well,
1: I of mean, specifically, it's this rectangle that's up and not this sideways rectangle. Right, oh, not okay, the landscape. yeah, sure, yep, yep. And so he was saying that, like, this is ridiculous because what we do, we are we have two eyeballs, and when we see things, we look at them this way, which is the landscape
0: yes. format. Right. He's holding the book open for, uh, <laughs> for those that are theater of the mind.
1: Yeah, I apologize. I'm using visual aids in a medium that may not have them. Um, so he was suggesting that this, the way the Kindles are designed uh, is not the way the human face is designed to read, right. and that the landscape is is probably the better for Which right. would make me that's... sound really smart if I decided that that's the way
2: it goes, but that isn't how I decided. To... <laughs> That? That's really funny that a Kindle is designed like a closed book, not like an open to book That's really right. interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I always found that, because that's the other thing, too, is because somebody decided as well that that screens – because television screens are basically square, so they'd hedge their bets. There's no decision on that. And mm-hmm. then eventually they got – then the screens got wider. Um, and then, like you say, that sort of matches with, with your eyeballs. And yet everything that we produce on the screen comes out in portrait view. Like whenever you make it – so I wonder what the pressure was, the design pressure was, way back when they produced the first books, as to the, like what made them decide it was going to be tall and thin as opposed to wide and short. Because it seems so arbitrary now when you think about it, because they were originally would have been... I mean, because I can't... It would have been easier to write when they were... Yeah, really the, the, the
2: paper is folded. Um, but could it, they not have you, folded it like that? If you have a <laughs> squarish piece of paper, like like the... the, the Spine? Like, a calendar opening, the way a, a book yes. would open, like a calendar. Like, that's awkward to read. It's awkward to handle. Um, so, okay. so, this fold is more natural for handling. Oh, okay, so
0: it. we're going to blame gravity. Gravity's to blame. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and you don't make long, thin strips of paper, so it looks like a Garfield book or whatever. Like, that's a much later development. Okay. Yeah. So, there
0: you, go. you couldn't just take those old pieces of paper and turn them on the. No? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people should be encouraged to only read lying down um so uh, okay so then uh you came up with this um with having the uh landscape view um mm-hmm. and it's because you're smart or maybe there's another reason yeah um and well,
1: then i think also like i was uh envisioning the art like so i'm uh a little bit a uh i'm i'm so i'm trapped by how much money i have to spend yes. right like i i don't want to spend out of pocket i spend um a little out of pocket for the first issue I, uh, to get the issue that I wanted because I wanted to make sure that it was a good size issue. And I quickly made that up in uh, back-issue sales, so it wasn't uh, a scary thing for me.
0: Right.
1: Well, okay, it was a scary thing, but it wasn't <laughs> a horrible thing. Right, right. Uh, and and now as I go into the next issue, uh, I think where I'm sitting right now is I got like something like $5.00 over budget which means i make five dollars on the next what? issue which is awesome the opposite yeah. of Vest and starlet
0: yeah was good yeah
1: <laughs> and since an hour yeah and um so but i was thinking about art and the art that i like uh for sword and sorcery and for fantasy is like the big sweeping i mean i like i like a lot of fantasy art like the Frizetta stuff and whatnot do you Sure. but like it's the big sweeping landscapes where you're just drawn into the world where you, you can't help but want to visit there.
0: Right.
1: And, right. and you know, it's, I don't think it's a mistake that landscape format is called landscape format. I think it like, it does a better job of creating those vistas. That said, I did a horrible thing and placed uh, space space, requirements on my artists (laughs) that completely prevented that from happening in the first issue Uh, and i did that because i only had the money to buy these thin slivers of art and pay a reasonable rate sure uh but as as the patron horde grows i'll get more money in fact this next issue will have larger pieces of art uh that will take up more of this landscape
0: right perfect uh, any plans for color in the future or are you um, not uh, or is it a case of uh, that sort of fits with your own ideal of what a sword and sorcery art would be
1: it's um i, I don't I, I have no problem with color except that it, again to have to pay for color yes. I want to be able to pay the right amount for color um, yep. one of the dangers with this uh, easing that I found is that I'll talk to people about stuff that, that, that I'd want from them. And they're like, Oh, but I could do this. And I said, well, I don't have the money to pay you for that. And they're like, well, I'll do it for free. And my, I'm like, no, I, I it's really important that I pay people a reasonable amount of money for what they do. Yes. Uh, that's super important for me, for this venture. So
0: yes. uh, I understand that totally. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I would love color in the future, but I also have to weigh that against, you know, Um, I think it'll be black and white, at least black and white interior art until uh, I get a few more stories per issue. Uh, And then then I can go into that. And also I'd like to also do covers because I don't want to keep doing my own thing on the cover. Although I I think until I get money to pay for a cover, we're going to see the same cover with just a different date and stamp on it each time.
0: Fair enough. Okay, so Vincent, one day, uh, Epi came into the coffee shop with his beard on fire when he had this idea, or has this been simmering away for a while? How did that all uh, play out?
2: I don't remember. Oh no, we were we were talking about Patreon, and Epi yep. said, "I have a terrible idea." <laughs> it was true, and he did. <laughs> oh, and and you were on Percocet? Is that yes? Me? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, I, I was recovering from uh, surgery and uh, not not recreational Percocet, but <laughs> but
0: for uh, surgery.
1: Yeah, it was uh, prescribed Percocet. Um, most of the initial launch of that magazine was under the influence of that. And then the uh, guidance of Gregor Hutton, who was visiting us at the time and has a lot of experience in publishing and Prevented the drugged-up Epi from making a lot of really stupid decisions early on.
0: Right. Uh, okay. So you, how did you elicit? How did you elicit? It's the wrong word. How did you? <laughs> um, what's the elicit? No, no, that's correct. That's the right word. Yeah. I was just I got all mixed up with my elicit and elicit. The percusset. That's okay. <laughs> right. <There's> the correct <laughs> word. How did you elicit original submissions? Are this, Is it primarily your? Uh, your. I mean, I noticed through the list here, it's primarily people that that I'm going to guess that you that you know. But uh, was that so, hard to get people on board to start with, or was that all love mostly for people, those those folks, fine folks, including Vincent? Uh,
1: well, I, Vincent, I'll, I'll let Vincent tell his in in a second. Um, I don't know if he has a story there or not. But like <laughs> for for me, uh, so I, I announced it, and obviously the when I announced it, the first people that see it are the people who I communicate with regularly, right? Like that's what? just how any of those things work. I, I didn't. Of I was unable to announce on the Daily Show, so I just announced it via the internet and sure. uh, that only reached people that that know me or and so yeah. the initial submissions and the people who were really excited about it were uh, pe- uh colleagues you know other uh publishers and whatnot who um not only you know they, they had a burning desire to to produce some fiction and put it out there but or found that they did uh but they also could see that it was a a, uh feasible project right like um i think there's probably to a larger audience a little little wariness about what was going on there but um so i got a bunch of the initial ones came from people i know but i do have a bunch of submissions from people uh that i've never met now uh which is nice too so that's uh I, i'm trying to cast the net as far and wide as i possibly can and um searching the internet for ways to do that and i don't quite haven't quite gotten a handle on that yet it's not the same as marketing a role-playing game to indie role-playing gamers so what right. um i i there's new skills involved there's new knowledge that i need to unearth
0: Right. Have you had any interesting reactions to it? Um, because you said there was some um, reticence initially. Have, there been, have people brought up any stuff that, you, that you've gone, oh, I hadn't really considered that angle, but now that you've mentioned it, I suppose that could be a, a thing. Is there any sort of um, what, successful ways that you've broached this with people and then maybe things to, to consider as well?
1: Well, uh, like, fiction is a... Um... I was just saying that it's a different beast than the indie role-playing scene, and I'm, I'm discovering that. like uh, There's other concerns. There's different concerns. There's sort of this uh, long-standing abusive relationship with vanity presses that uh, still sort of, despite the fact that we have all the technology and tools available for uh, independent writers to publish their own stuff... Right. Uh, there's, I think there's a strong camp that still thinks that that's not a good thing. Uh, I think there's plenty of people who do think it is a good thing, and I think there's plenty of people making uh, money doing that thing and or um, just fulfilling their dreams and just getting their writing out there. Right, right. Uh, so uh, what I am trying to do is I'm trying to be as transparent as possible because it's a different – model than what people are used to um i tell them you know up front that uh when they submit to me i send them a little thing that says they're allowed to submit elsewhere and they're allowed to withdraw whenever they want because i'm not on a monthly schedule i'm based on the whims of the patron horde on whether or not i have enough content for an issue or whatnot and i don't i don't want to tie up somebody else's property in the hopes that someday this you know, the next issue will come out so right. i give them as much freedom and leeway as possible and then the month of i'm like okay well this is i want to do this so uh i'd like the to purchase the rights for it and blah blah blah
0: okay oh, well we'll sort of backed into that so let's just let, let's back all the way in um okay. what's the story with submissions um and the licenses that go along with the submissions and you've sort of touched on that a little bit here and there but let's Put it on Front Street. Exactly what the what the story is, and and uh, what what you can do maybe to get yourself uh, published, and uh, what rights you retain to it, and all that type of carry on. So um, I'm
1: buying. Uh, so let's say you're submitting a story, okay. uh, and it's 2,500 words or less, and okay. um, I'm going to if I accept it. Uh, well, you, let's go through the whole process. You send it, I get it, and I send you an email that say, awesome, thank you for submitting. Uh, I will get to this when I can. I'm behind in my readings. And uh, that is, um, and then <clears throat> let's say, <clears throat> oh, and then I say, you know, you can do simultaneous submissions. You uh, um, can withdraw this at any moment, even after I suggest that I may want it. But let's right. say that I like your, your story and I want to publish it, so I tell you that I, I would like to publish it, um, but probably not in the next issue. I probably don't have room in the next issue. So just so you know, I'd like to publish it. I'll let you know when that time comes up. Uh, if you want to withdraw that at any point, you can. If you want to submit it to other places in the meantime and then make that decision when you hear from them, that's perfectly fine. Right. Then the month of, I contact you and I say I'd like to reserve the rights for this, um, this work and um, I will publish it at the end of the month. Uh, the rights that I'm reserving are the first-time electronic rights, uh, which means that uh, I'll be the first one to publish it on the, on the internet, uh, w- which also means that your first-time physical publication rights are free, if that matters. Uh, I would like it to be exclusive for six months, so for the first six months of the magazine's existence you won't also publish a story elsewhere although I will say this, that I often tell people uh, so far, because I'm all about trying to generate interest in the magazine now, I let people uh, put their stuff out there currently but I reserve that that right for the exclusiveness. And then the So, uh, then I go and publish it. Yep. Uh, That would be near the end of the month, and then at the beginning of the next month, Patreon uh, tells me how much money I've collected, and then somewhere around the middle of the month, a week or two after that, Patreon gets the money to me via PayPal, and then as soon as I can after that, I get the money to all the people that I've purchased the rights from. And then… Uh, you got six months of exclusivity and then after that you can do whatever you want with it. It's also still in the magazine and then five years from that publication date. If at that point you're like, well, I need the exclusive rights back for this. You can contact me and I will remove that content from the magazine or remove that magazine from, from sale. So uh, I mean, I won't, go in and remove it from copies that people have already bought. I mean, <laughs> the future sales of, the, from future me, sales of that back
0: gives you. <clears throat> yeah. Just bring it up on the screen, please. I'm going to redact that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, and I do all that because I want to uh, – It's in, and those rights are for everything. It's for articles. It's for games. It's for uh, illustrations. And I, I do all that because I want people to own the work that I publish as much as they – you know, as possible, because I, I want them to create something that they would like to own. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, yeah. it's important to me that that's a uh, incentive there.
0: Right. Okay. So now you've got here uh, at the back of the uh, magazine, um, okay. you've got here a, a section called The Realms, um, and you've got uh, several, like uh, three different layers, or uh, uh, three different layers. It looks like, is that, am I reading that correctly? Mm hmm so
1: um this is uh one of the little crossovers between the fiction and the gaming community i uh the stuff that i was putting in the uh in the first issue um my first story strange Byream, features two characters who are uh playable characters in the swords without master preview
0: right
1: and uh that is in those characters are in the Creative Commons. So what I wanted to do is uh, it, it occurred to me that the, that that would make them available for anyone who wanted to write a story about those characters. right. And I wanted to set up a system through the magazine, through the EZine, uh, where I could help facilitate that where people, right. Can have shared worlds like the old Thieves' world uh, right. books and and or even going further back, just the the way Robert E Howard and H P Lovecraft would in- include things from each other or you know like that's actually uh, kind of a staple of the genre. So um, I wanted to make that uh, easy to use. So I've created. Uh, it's essentially it's it's two different levels. One is the, the free and chaotic realms, which are just, hey, anyone can do whatever they want with any of these. You don't need my permission. You can just go off and write them. Right. And the in the first issue, Rafu's game, Enter the Avenger, uh, falls under that license, as does the miscellany at the end, which is that list of wondrous sites. And yes. uh, I'll get to that in a second, because i got a special purpose for that. Right, um, And then uh, the other one is the curated realms, which says, hey, I've got these characters. I care about these characters, and I want to make sure that they're treated well. But I'm not opposed to having somebody else write about them. So in the curated realms, if uh, let's say you write something and you create uh, uh, Dragar, the, the warlock, and right. you really like Dragar the Warlock, and I somebody do. else really already. likes. Dra- What's that? I do already. Yeah. <laughs> somebody else really likes Dragar the Warlock, and they're like, "Well, I would like to write a story about Dragar the Warlock, uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ship them. I'm gonna Dragar the Warlock and uh, uh, Quiznar the Elf."
0: <laughs> right. I'm I, I not going to publish
2: this story.
1: story. Yeah, I'm not going to publish because I have a no elves <laughs> policy. But anyways, <laughs> another, the warlock and Quisnar, uh, the elf, like, um, <laughs> and and they're writing a romance between the two. And you're like, oh no, these two were never meant to get together.
0: Uh, <laughs> so we've already gone to like fan fiction erotic sort right, of. Right, like, right. And after one episode, Quisnar's already involved in some yeah. distorted uh, relationship with Draga. <laughs> And so somebody submits that story to
1: me, and I read it, and I'm like, this is amazing. I want to publish this. I will, if you're under the curated Realms, I'll still contact you and say, hey, I'm thinking about publishing this. Is that okay? And you can be like, oh, God. <laughs> and then, and from there, we can have a dialogue between all the interested parties to see if something can be made mm-hmm. from it. But it's basically there to help people protect their um to, to let people be more open and free with their characters but also to help them protect the right. their, their understanding of them right. and then I also suggest that people come up with edicts which are like commands that say dragnar and Quisnar never get together <laughs> <laughs> we can we can hint that they are in love but they never ever get together right yeah, And you once, can one sultry night
0: in a smoky tavern yes meet across the table in a way they've never met before
1: (laughs) (laughs) and so you can write that commandment down and that's and then you know i'll do my best to enforce that but um you yourself are allowed to uh violate that if you want like if you're after like four years you're like okay enough of this they're getting together we're gonna we're gonna
0: finally this tension must be broken yes exactly
1: (laughs) um so, and then and then I do say in this is all in the back of the magazine, so people can look at it there. Sure. Uh, but I, I do say that if people want to come up with their own agreements uh, outside the magazine, that's perfectly fine. And also, I say very specifically that this only relates to fiction published through this magazine, because I literally cannot control it otherwise. <laughs> like so, I can't I can't be held responsible.
0: Sure. And is that uh, – so that's good for you in both directions then? Is that sort of what you're saying? Uh, uh, what I mean uh, by that is that uh, yeah. it, it reduces the your responsibility. I mean, I don't mean that – Oh, right,
1: uh, yes. That, like, okay. uh, yeah, I want to help facilitate people. I want to encourage people to use it. Oh, so the, this miscellany, this three dozen wondrous sites that I oh, have at I the end of um, the
0: right I about to segue to that, but all right, go ahead. Yeah um so
1: this is just it, it's just a chart where you roll 2d6 like percentiles and you look down the chart and you come up with a wondrous sight and um
0: an example of that would be if you roll a three and a six three massive walking ziggurats each with six cursed priests trapped inside
1: yes <laughs> so there are things to encounter things to see uh a world uh to to um uh play in and Part of this is that it's obvious, there's got some obvious role-playing potential, right? You can just, yeah. we're going to start making an adventure, let's roll a couple times or whatever. But yeah. one of the things I wanted to point out to people is based on, uh, Michael Moorcock had written a in a book about, um, I'm not going to be able to quote him directly, but he, he was writing... In a section of a book, I think it was an interview with him or something, where he was talking about how to write a book in two days or something, maybe a whole novel in 10 days or something insane. Sure. And uh, part of his advice was to come up with three contradictory but uh, coherent images, right? Uh, And his example was A City of Screaming Statues, which shows up in the Stormbringer book, I think. Um, And it's, oh, my God, like what a – just – screaming statues like right. already yes. um, in that world um,
0: right. yeah
1: yeah and and that that's sort of the magic of this genre is just these these images or whatever and he's, he said just come up with those and then whenever you're at a loss for what happens next throw one in right and what I I've released those that miscellany in uh, the the uh, one of the licensed, free and chaotic realms, which means anyone can use them right. in any fiction that they submit to me. And I highly encourage people to just roll on that and then write something about uh, any one of those things that, that comes up. There's there's an, the silent emperor I'd like to hear more about. <laughs> right, right. Um,
0: but, uh, the silent emperor's garden of foes where the fleshy heads of his enemies scream upon bodies chiseled from stone.
1: Yes, uh, which is that straight up uh, um, a tribute to Moorcock there. But um, the uh, so and, and this partly came out of uh, a conversation I had with my proofreader Brianna uh, Sheldon, who wanted to know she wanted prompts. Uh, She's like, you know, it would be really helpful if you offered prompts to writers, especially since. Like, it's hard to say what the sword and sorcery genre is, but it's easy to point out imagery from the sword and sorcery genre. Certainly. And I thought that was a great idea, so this is my way of doing it. And I hope to uh, publish a miscellany in each issue. That's something that I'd like to – I don't know how long I can keep that up. (laughs) And uh, eventually, when the patron whore gets big enough, I buy miscellanies off of people. I think that's something people would enjoy submitting. So.
0: right. Did you use any of those in your story, Vincent? You want to tell us about your story there?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't use any of those, but I did. Um, I definitely did follow Moorcock's advice. What? Uh, right. <laughs> you know, basically, it's it's a, a series of contradictions. What? Um, right. uh, I don't know. What do you want me to say about my.
0: Well, you're you're sitting there looking very sage, and I thought I would give you the opportunity to about <laughs> some advice, perhaps, for to writing to a two thousand my... five hundred word thing, so or uh, how you approached um, that. Or I was how, how
2: I was amazed routine? how easy it was to write. Um, <laughs> none none of my uh, none of my stories are anywhere near twenty five hundred words. They they all max out at about eighteen hundred. Um, right. But I've written I don't know eight stories or something in the past the past right. few months since uh, since this thing started um and like uh, i entertain myself because i'm doing the moorcock trick and i'm doing the south park guys trick and i'm doing the stephen king trick and i'm doing the um uh you should there's, elaborate there's, what these tricks are there's one more i will um <laughs> uh the the moorcock trick is to just have these these contradictions contradicting images so i'm like okay there's this cannibal queen who is scared of a child right and, right. Then, and so the story becomes like is about this contradiction yeah. um there's a uh uh the south park guy's trick is a story starts with a, a situation and then it's this happened, therefore this happened, therefore this happened, therefore this happened, the end. The, right. uh, therefore this happened, nevertheless this happened, therefore this happened. You know, whatever. Right. There's no and then, it's always therefore. So I'm doing that. Right. Um, the Stephen King trick is to um, find a character see what the character does just watch the character for a little while and so like i'll start writing and i'll write 300 words almost by clockwork 300 words and then i've come to a place where the character has done something that i don't know i don't know what like i don't know why they're here what they're up to right and then i'll i'll drive on my commute home and at some point during that commute i'll just bust out laughing because i figured out what's going on right um
1: i like like this implication here that you're writing this at work (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm writing it at lunch i'm writing it at lunch
0: i'm writing <laughs>
2: words i can write 300 words at lunch yeah yeah um, no okay that's right, that's right. cool <laughs> hi boss um not not effing my boss um <laughs> uh what uh and then there's one other trick i can't remember oh but so what i what i found most fun is like i'll i won't sit down and write a story i'll write the beginning of a story and then I'll do other things and then I'll finish the story and write the beginning of the next story and then do other things and then finish the story and write the beginning of the next story. Right. Um, and I can suddenly see how those guys would turn these stories out. Like it, it makes sense to me. Like, I don't know whether they're doing the same techniques I'm doing, but I'm like, Oh, I could fit that into my life. It's, it's been an interesting, yeah,
0: right. and do you know, you... right. fiction before? So, are there any of those that particularly resonate with you? Well, I, for myself, um, and I'll, I'll let you answer your question in a minute while I talk about myself for a second. Um, <laughs> the uh, like the the um, the South Park trick um, reminds me of what something that I uh, do from time to time is the Have you seen the the Pixar writing like the the Pixar writing oh, yeah. trick sort of uh, panel?
2: Um, it, I, I think I've seen it. Remind me.
0: Um, yeah I, I can't remember exactly. i mean if you look it up like pixar had tw- tw- some number of tricks for um for for writing a, an engaging tale or something like that but i think that uh i think that writing something of 2500 words is pretty uh, pretty manageable um if you have an interest in writing yeah. um so i think it's a good i mean whether you get it published in worlds without master or not i, I think that uh just the exercise itself might be if i is there anything have you got anything in particular that you learned when you're writing 25 2500 words that is particularly applicable to you use these tricks do you use a combination of them or um do have you found that something in particular works for you no oh, yeah no i mean just that just that list like, um, okay, right. So you, you you pick and choose from those. there's nothing in particular from
2: them. Oh no, stuff. I do I do all of them all the time.
0: Right. Um, uh,
2: um, uh like uh, um <laughs> th- th- there there is something I want to say about that. Um but uh what's like it's really surprised me how like it i don't i don't need to like those those tricks all mean that i don't need to plan anything right um i can start writing with uh, the confidence that it's going to arrive at a place and it's uh 2500 words if i write 300 words and it really does stop me I can just throw them away and write a different 300 words. Right. Um, and, and so, that,
1: that's a, a full eighth, fourth. Wait, I don't even know math.
2: It's <laughs> a, a full eighth of your story there. <laughs> well, like mine haven't mine haven't crossed 1,600. So that's a, yeah. a full – I mean it crossed 1,800. It's a, a full sixth of my story.
1: Yeah. It's um, insane amount to just toss
2: out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole like – Twenty minutes of my lunch hour mm-hmm. um, th- throwing away, and I, I have thrown a few away. But like whatever, like that was
0: right. Uh, so I watching to find out rather than playing to find out.
2: Yes, um, and other than that, it's really different. Like none of my role playing skills come into mm-hmm. come into bear. I, like I've been surprised by that too. I was like, I know all about role playing. I can create a narrative, and. Yeah. Uh, no.
0: So, have any of you guys tried the um, the Nano rhymo before? Because that sort of requires you to write fifteen hundred words um, words per day. Um, and uh, I used okay. that as sort of an impetus to write uh, Victoria. Like I thought, I, I maybe I'd try this to force myself to actually sit down and, and write a good chunk of it. I'm obviously a lot of it needed rewriting. I added about an extra twenty five thousand words um, after I'd finished. But um, you could quite yeah, the two bits. Uh,
2: yeah, I I so I I wrote three stories or something in that first week. Um, or the first two weeks, and uh, that got me thinking about what would I have to do? You know, now I've written 1,800 words three times in two right. weeks. What would I have to do to write 50,000 words in four weeks? Yes. And the, that I wasn't doing now, and the answer was just to barf, like to, yeah. to yeah. pad it all out, and, you yeah. know, where I'm where I'm writing a sentence, I can see that all I have to do is, you know, write that sentence and then turn it on automatic and just write five more sentences Yes. without thinking about it without. Right. And, and I, I was kind of repulsed at the idea. I was like, I would hate to barf on the page in order to make 50,000 words. Yeah. 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 When um, you know, 1800 words is how long this story should be. Yes. Uh,
0: yep. For sure. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. I think um, if you are if you're looking to do good, uh, if you're looking to do good writing, then as you say, you know, you can see ways to. You kind of at that point you're gaming the system, right? You're not. You're, you're trying to achieve the goal, which is not really the goal of writing in the first place, right? But I think that maybe creating a pattern is the most important thing that can come out of it, rather than necessarily any fiction you create. Although I, I can't dismiss the possibility that you can create you know, great fiction from it, but I see what you're saying.
1: Well, there's there's this thing, right? So I've... A little bit of my online personality uh, during this month is usually about making fun of NaNoWriMo, and uh, I do that because (laughs) uh, I had... Years ago, I did it um, 2006, I think, or something like that, which is actually further ago than I think uh before smartphones right in that in that crazy age uh (laughs) i i uh i tried it and i had uh just a horrible horrible meltdown two weeks into it and uh so i've got like sore uh, because what it is is uh that's not how i write and i was trying to write that way and uh, that again ended up like the life lessons that I've learned over and over again are if you love something, then find the way to do it that doesn't make you hate it in the end.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, no question. No question.
1: And um, but that said, I, I think it's a, a, one of the important things. Like, I, uh, Sword and Sorcery was born out of the pulps, and yeah. they had requirements that they were fulfilling that weren't just uh, the artistic vision that they had. And right. um, that's the case with most fiction throughout the years. So having this... Uh, so I'm going to just spend a moment to secretly praise NaNoWriMo on, on this podcast, rather. Right, right. And then, but my online personality will deny everything about this. <laughs> of course. Um, it, it's, it creates... So it's... I mean, NaNoWriMo is a game... Uh, is yes, what's exactly exactly and the production is this this uh fiction and if that's what works then for you then that's what works for you just very specifically it was not what works for me no, and, sure. uh, so uh, online i'm like to read me charitably i'm uh, I'm saying things about it so that people know that they don't have to do NaNoWriMo to be a writer. But no, no one should ever read no, it No, ab- absolutely not. That's no, not a...
0: Yeah, I know for myself, it was just the sitting down and doing it. Like, I, at no point did I find myself saying, how can I make this take extra words? I was like, okay, just, like, just get it. Get it done. Yeah. And so when you've got the rough copy done, then you've actually got a, a real thing that you can. It's much more easy to, much more difficult to dismiss at the end of it. But uh, but yeah, no, you don't have to do nano to be a writer. No, that would be that would definitely be something I agree with. <laughs> and, and at the same time, like it would be
2: it would be bizarre to like condemn nano because anything that makes people write is good. Yes. Because any anything that gets people producing anything. Is good and so, yeah. you know when I when I tried Ramo, I wrote eighteen hundred words and then called it a day. Right, uh, that's that's what I do. Uh, and and so like, if I'm making fun of Ramo, or if I may, if Epi is making fun of Ramo, yeah. like it's true It's a it's, yeah. a, it's a it's affectionate. Uh, yeah. I mean, of course it is. Like, what, we're going to turn on writers? Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Why not?
2: <laughs> but, uh, there's,
1: there's plenty of things in the world I don't care about that I don't have an opinion on. <laughs>
0: right, that's, right.
1: <laughs> that's It's when I have an opinion is when I start caring about it.
0: So. Right, right.
1: Like the Red so, Sox. <laughs>
0: right. So when it comes to the art, are you the artistic director as well, Lippy? Because you've... Part of... Um, is there a a process where somebody will submit art and then you say, that's cool, and then you'll ask for somebody to write about that? Or does somebody write something and then you commission art that matches it? Or do you just try and make a happy synergy between those two by chance alone? Vincent's art looks very specific.
1: Yeah, so the, the current setup um, is that uh, I get fiction uh, in the game um, and uh, I then find artists uh, so artists will submit uh like will send me to their web page say i'd like to be involved and, and send me web pages and whatnot and uh, portfolios uh and i'm like okay good uh, this is what i like about your stuff this is and then and then when i get fiction i try to grab an artist who's available and who i think would fit well with the fiction and um ha- send them uh, the story and then some specific prompts if they can't, I, I, I invite them to do whatever they want from the story, but if, right. if they just want me to tell them what to do, here are two things that they could do or three right. things. or you know. um, And I have uh, some some guidelines for them mm-hmm. about what I want to see in art and also specifically the problematic things I'd like to avoid. Uh, that right. have kind of haunted the uh, the sword and sorcery art over the years, Can and I
0: have movies, for example,
1: yes, yes, <laughs> uh, and um, and and problems with uh, uh race and ethnicity and whatnot. So, and, and I have that stuff written also into the submission guidelines for the fiction. I would not be opposed to an artist doing some art and saying, hey, do you want to put this in there? Uh, actually, that doesn't sound like a bad idea at all. And finding somebody who would write fiction for it, I mean, that I'd be willing to do that. I, I think that that might be a slightly more
2: difficult challenge. Um, right. And I don't know why I think that would be. That's something I should think about. Yeah, was just, well, I, I think it would be time, like, I would never try to write, the story of somebody's picture, but why wouldn't I do that? Like, why, right. why, why do I expect an artist? Uh, why do I expect storm to illustrate my story, but I'm not willing to write a story to an artist's, right? Like yeah. what kind of, what kind of jerk does that make me? That's interesting. <laughs>
1: That's, and, and I'm all, of, I, I have no problem turning that on its head. Um, if, if the opportunity shows up. Right. Right. Um, and then like, there's also the case of my friend, Brian, uh, who uh did the comic who uh that was that was a fun little i think we we might have been flirting on the internet a little bit he uh because <laughs> he you know i made the announcement for the magazine and it was a couple months in and then he was talking about how he was thinking about a sword and sorcery comic and he would show little pictures of of uh the characters in it and i'd be like that's really awesome
0: yeah, you... yeah.
1: <laughs> and then eventually we uh i think we actually were in a role-playing game together and i said so and he goes yeah and you're like all right <laughs> let's do this They're eyes so...
0: across a crowded uh, smoky tavern
1: yeah <laughs> and that, that was great like um if i make gush about my contributors in the first issue please do yeah uh so vincent was the first to submit i'm gonna embarrass him a little bit uh but vincent knew it was coming right like he he, he um uh, I, I have coffee with him on on occasion, and like you said, that's probably when the idea hit me. So like he knew that that, that this was in the works. Um, and I think I don't remember when you submitted. Did you submit like the day after I announced it, or
2: no? It was it was a couple of days. I'm pretty. Couple sure. of days. I, I I was still on Percocet. <laughs> like <laughs> you and... announced it, and I was still like, I'm not gonna write. I can't right. write stories. Like I'm not a <laughs> story writer. And Vincent submitted. And
1: I was like, Gregor was there at my house at the time. Uh, Vincent submitted and I was like, oh, yay, I got a submission. And then I went and sat down and we started watching wrestling. And and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Vincent's probably waiting to hear back from me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird. Like, I published a bunch of crap on my own, but that was the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever... I'm like, here. And then I'm sitting there waiting. <laughs> and he's like, thank
0: you. And I'm like... Oh.
1: <laughs> it's a Gregor All I... these
0: years of validation down the drain. And yeah. I know, right? it <laughs> <Who> fueled <cassette-fueled> WrestleMania? <laughs>
1: Um so I read it through and uh Vincent's stuff is very uh Jack Vance meets Tanith Lee, which uh definitely hits a good spot in Sword and Sorcery for me, so I was like, Hell yeah.
0: Um and uh so, expressed that and left him hanging. What's that? <laughs> I didn't ex- fail to express that and left him hanging. Yeah, what exactly. What <laughs> and
2: um I think I found out on Twitter later. Um, <laughs> you were like Jack You're Vance meets Tanith Lee. Interview. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess that means he likes it. So, guess that's what that means. So, uh,
1: so I, I got that, and, I, um, and that was exciting. And then uh, uh, at that point, I didn't have the money yet. Like, the Patreon hoard was only this big, and it was growing. So I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. But I had artists contact me, and in particular, I had Storn Cook contact me and Ed Heil, and I felt like Strunk Cook, the stuff he sent me seemed like a really good match for um, Vincent's stuff. Also, I should also say that Vincent, I think before he even got my second submission, I think he sent in two or three others. <laughs> like right, there was right. Rapid right. succession. So you can
0: expect I, I... some more Vincent Baker fiction in the, yeah. in the issues to come.
1: Uh, specifically about Yako Orange and, and uh, Tam-Tam. Right. The, right. Um, what
2: were right. you, you going to say, something, Vincent? Oh, I was going to say that, yeah, like that first time I submitted it, I was like, I hope he reads it. Right. And now I've given up. Like, I, I've yeah. like, I sent you seven stories or something. You've read I like three of them. I'm like, them I don't care. care. I'm over it. And um, i got to give other people a chance here. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I, I and, am totally with you there. Yeah. And uh, so. Um, oh, like, I want to say can I, can I just interrupt and jump in and say sure. that um, the rights that you're buying? Like, mm-hmm. that's super awesome. And if you decide to publish three of my of my seven stories or if you decide to publish one of my 25 stories or whatever, however that ultimately works out, um, it's great that then I can still do things with those stories. Like, I, I'm, right. I don't feel like I'm tied up or wasting right. my stories. And, like, I have no expectation that you're going to publish my entire catalog because I have lots of options in that regard. Like, I can publish my own damn catalog
0: if I want to. Right, right.
1: And uh, and um, yeah, actually, I, I'll mention something else about that in a little bit. But um, then, uh, so st- st- I thought Stormcook Cook would, would do a good job with uh, Yakko Orange and Company, uh, and I, I I love the uh, opening picture with uh, Yakko falling in the um, uh, on that. Uh, on that story but then uh ed heil contacted me and i knew that i wanted to use ed heil because i knew uh i liked his style and also he knew what Manyara is supposed to look like so i was really excited that, um uh, because in particular speaking of that problematic history that sword and sorcery has uh, uh there's a lot of things rolled up in there Manyara is not a, a small woman uh, and she's, uh, um, she's not a white woman. And, uh, I didn't want to have to have that conversation <laughs> with the, with an artist. So it was good to have an artist that knew straight off the bat, how that worked. Right. And, um, and he did some uh, great stuff. And then, uh, Rafu, uh, submitted his, and at that point, I think I was like, okay, I got two stories. I got illustrations. This is good. I can do this. I can, this is good. I'm ready to go. And then Rafu sent enter the Avenger, uh, which is his short game. And it was, um, uh, it was wonderful. I like, it was exactly the size and shape of a game. I wanted. it. was sword and sorcery, but it wasn't just here. Your hit points, go find the treasure and kill the the dragon. It was, uh, it was a tough situation based on, um, uh, horrible real life experience. And, um, it, it uh, dealt with it in, in interesting ways, and like the just the lists of example things alone in it were worth publishing. Like I loved the the different uh, uh, sample characters or places to visit and whatnot. And then independently, Tazio Bettin had I hope I'm pronouncing his, right, his name right um, contacted me about doing art. And then Rafu knows him and said, "I know that my friend's interested," and I was like, "Yeah, let's make this happen." Right. And he did some great pieces for that. Like, um, and then, uh, like I said, Bryant and I had this back and forth about the comic, uh, and the end result is great. There's some frames of that comic. I like, honestly, I gotta be like, he's got this wonderful. It reminds me of Samurai Jack quite a bit, actually. The like right. when you look in the background, or uh, there's some uh, Usagi Yojimbo homage going on in there too, and it was all it's all really good um i was very happy about that and then uh it is that it for content creators i think so yes <laughs> and then yep. there's myself yep. and i did yep. some things yep. uh and then i had uh uh jason keely who is my editor which is great um who edited me to make sure that i wasn't just flapping my gums oh, and sheldon. uh brianna sheldon who is uh proofread a lot of the stuff, but not all of it. So if you see a typo, it's probably my fault. Right. I didn't. I didn't have the money or the time to get her to to proofread all of it. So, sure. um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, like everyone involved, and then like even the advertisers really stepped up. So the whole thing felt. Very much like a, uh, the magazines that I had nostalgia for, which in in a large part are like Dragon Magazine or or White Dwarf, which were gaming magazines more than uh, science fiction or fantasy. Although uh, I do like I do have some of those old magazines as well. But like I like I love my nostalgia point in old comics and old Dragon magazines is not the articles, it's not the art, it's somewhat the comics. But it's largely the ads, which is so weird. But, like, you see one of those ads, you're like, yeah, I want to play that game. Even if after all these years you have played that game and discovered that you don't like it. When you go back and you look at those old ads, you're like, let me give that another try.
0: That's That's, right, yeah. Yeah, it's so evocative, something evocative about it, right? Without the benefit of the internet back in those days, you know, like, the, the vista of the game sort of, like, Played out played out in front of you, and, and sadly oftentimes what you saw in your mind was not quite what you got yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when you sat down but um yeah i'm I'm with you on that like i where I came from was a pretty small town, and it was a decent car ride to the next town, which was not so much terribly bigger uh either so just just the idea of being able to get my hands on some of these games was was like you say was was a major part of the of the experience oh,
1: and the thing I was going to say about the publishing thing was uh that. It was one of the things that – because, you know, I do the game uh, publishing occasionally, (laughs) and uh, uh, it was really nice to give Rafu a venue for his game uh, with people who are going to look at it and also pay him for it. Um, It just felt really good to me because I've gone through that that whole, like, early struggle where nobody's paying attention or you're not sure how to get people's attention – and also, you did all this work, uh, when does it pay out? And to be able to present that uh, right away and then to say, after six months, do what you want to do. Or in his case, I yeah, like I said, early on in the magazine now, I'm, I'm letting people do what they want yes. so that I can uh, – it's just good advertising really yes, is what so it is. Generate
0: you know, a readership, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So his game's out there. You don't need to buy the magazine to go play his game, though I recommend that you buy the magazine
0: to play his yeah, game. That's right. I <laughs> wholeheartedly recommend that you buy the magazine as well. Yeah. Um it's very uh it's very well put together. It's it's easier. I you know, like the landscape uh thing. Um <laughs> and yeah, evocative too, like as you say, you know, that the just the just the way I and mean, I'm looking at it as I'm as I'm as I'm speaking here, but just the um the just the artwork and the and like you said, the evocative advertisements and then um, like I like the little sort of little sort of snippets of, of stuff, like particularly your uh, three dozen wondrous sites. And like, I mean, even even the, and I'm sure it's not a, a coincidence, but even the the, the way that it's um, the way that it's laid out and the little horizontal rule run underneath the three dozen wondrous sites and then the name. And so it was very evocative of those those magazines. So so uh, well done there. So uh, thank you. It's a, certainly a trip down memory lane. <laughs> okay, so that's a lot to talk about the sort of generalities and a lot to talk about uh, Issue 1 of Worlds Without Master. How about you tell me a little something or tell the listeners at least something about Issue 2? Issue 2. All
1: right, well, we're going to have a story in there from Keith Sinkowski who did Conspiracy of Shadows and is actually going to be in the Conspiracy of Shadows world uh, and it's going to be part of the history of that world. Uh, and I don't, I think I can pronounce the title of the story. <laughs> so so i will not attempt actually a lot of this will be i don't know if i know how to pronounce any of that um we're gonna have uh another another comic from uh uh brian uh paul johnson um i did the comic in the first issue oh the beating drum that's the title of the comic Uh, i'm gonna have a story in there and i'm also going to do uh uh, sh- short game to put in as well, and they will be thematically related.
0: Oh, uh, I see. It's, yes. it's, it's a very special issue of well yeah. And uh
1: And we're going to have some artwork from um, the, Rachel Kahn, who people might know she did the – she does the online comic Bicrom, uh which is a wonderful comic about having uh, – conan as your spirit guide uh right. <laughs> that's definitely worth checking out it's at uh it's at wheel it's w-e-a-l-d and then comics.com uh, she right. shares that with another person she has right. another uh online comic that's coming out soon or, or she's got the first page out which is looks great it looks gorgeous i like her artwork and then uh Andrew De Felice is also going to be doing some art for us, and he's done art for the Pantheon Press guys. I believe he's in their Fortune Fools game. Uh, so, And he's a personal friend. I've played D&D with this man, so uh, he's, he's a man who knows how to deal out a lot of damage in D&D. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I'm excited about that. We're going to have... Uh, a, I'm still trying to nail down at least one more artist for this issue, uh, but I think I got something going there. And... Um, then there'll be uh, a miscellany in it, just like in the last one, which is that list yep. of things. And uh, that seems to be what this issue is going to shape up to be. So I'm excited.
0: Cool. So uh, where can people go to find it? And uh, when can they expect to see it arriving either as a link in their inbox when they Patreonize you? Is that what yeah. You? Um, or uh, or uh, online to buy the, the uh, issue?
1: Well, you go to uh, patreon.com slash epidiah, E-P-I-D-I-A-H, and Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, uh, or you just go to their front page, because they actually have a link to me
0: on their front page. Wow, check you out. Have yeah. Hit the big time.
1: Yeah, it's at the bottom. It's the very last link on the front <laughs> page, but I'm there.
0: Right just right.
1: before the about us or F-A-Q. No, it's – there's <laughs> they have a series of uh, – of, uh, I guess maybe featured Patreon uh, campaigns right. and um, the, the at the bottom of that list, which is awesome. I'm excited about that. And then uh, if you go there, you can uh, sign up for the Patreon. And if you don't have the first issue you want, there's a link there on how to get that. Uh, or you could just go to my website, dig because uh, I talk about it all the time over there. Right. So there'll be plenty Perfect. of links there.
0: Perfect. So the last thing that I want to say is, Vincent, I'm going to need you to verify this, but when Eppy turns his head ever so slightly to the side, don't you think his head and beard combo looks like Ireland?
2: <laughs> like, wait, stop laughing, Epi. I can't, oh wait, wait, wait. Too
0: much, too much now, a little bit <laughs> less, Epi. Yes,
2: does of course, this right? it looks just exact... me.
0: does it actually his head look like Ireland with the beard? Sure, of course.
2: <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> really? that was
1: the intention.
0: <laughs> That's right. I have my Halloween like There you go. There's another episode title. We're we're replete with episode titles. Um. Anyway, thanks very much, uh, chaps. I look forward Thank to you. um to reading the next uh, issue. Um. So, it's goodbye from me. See you. All right. See from you later. And goodbye from it's an Excellent. And until uh, next week, keep talking the walk.